Good morning, church. Good morning and a blessed Christmas to you. Uh, my name is Jamie and I get to preach on Christmas Day. I know. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace and your mercy and your peace. And we need those. Will you help us to hear your truth today? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. So, we've come out of the Advent season, and now we celebrate the birth of Jesus, the Son of God, right? And this is the promise, the hope that the prophets pointed to, right? The incarnation of Jesus Christ, God with skin on, come to die so that we may be judged as forgiven. And today's gospel reading comes from the second chapter of Luke. Of course it does. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Everybody knows him, right? <laughs> Thanks, Luke. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now, I promised a short sermon today. So let's see if I deliver on that. So Luke starts this story with an emperor proclaiming a decree to the whole Roman world. And it's a census. And he wants to stop and count his kingdom, right? It's a big deal. And it's inconvenient 
right? People have to put their lives on hold to do this. And we see that for some, like the Holy Family, they have to travel in order to obey this decree. So with one decree, the emperor stops and starts a whole empire to count it, to calculate his own glory. But this isn't the only decree, the only proclamation in this story, is it? No. (laughs) When Mary gives birth to the Christ, the Messiah, we're told that the angel of the Lord appeared to shepherds who were in a field. Shepherds. Okay, not the emperor in a palace, and not a governor in a mansion, and not a religious leader at the temple, but shepherds in a field. God chose them to receive this awesome proclamation. But this proclamation is preceded by the glory of God. The emperor has to make a decree and pause his kingdom in order to start the process of calculating his glory. But the Lord surrounds the shepherds with his glory before the angel decrees anything. And the shepherds are overwhelmed and afraid, which seems like a proper response to being in the presence of the divine. So it's glory first, and then the angel speaks. Do not be afraid. So it's glory and then comfort. The angel speaks comfort And then the angel preaches the gospel. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. A savior, the Messiah, is born. And the angel preaches the gospel, and it's not just for an empire. And it's not just for the Jews. The angel says, I have good news for all the people. And the gospel causes joy for all the people. The Messiah is born the Savior is here. This will be a sign to you. It's an invitation. The angel gives an invitation to test the word of the Lord. This will be a sign to you. Test my word. You want proof? Go look for it yourselves. If you go look, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And before a shepherd can ask a follow-up question, the heavens burst open and God's army is there, not to bring war or wrath, but to praise God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. What a night, you know? What a spectacle. These shepherds who were terrified, they've now received peace. And they hear the gospel and then they respond to it. Right? Let's go to Birmingham. Let's go to Birmingham, guys. (laughs) Just kill the momentum on that. All right. Good morning. My name is Jamie. (laughs) We're going to Birmingham. (laughs) Right. Okay. I don't know where we were. The shepherds, they say, let's go to Bethlehem to see the thing that has happened. All right, talk about faith. They don't question the validity of what they've been told by the Lord, right? They don't say, let's go see if it happened. 
They say, let's go see the thing that has happened. Like, who are these faithful shepherds? They go from fear to faith in a blink. And we're not told who they are. We don't know their names. Now, when I think of these shepherds, I have this habit of, like, I think of them as, like, blue-collar workers. These guys clock into work, third shift, right? And they're just doing their job, right? That's how my modern brain sees these guys. They're just co-workers on the night shift. But if I look at what the Bible says about shepherds, well, I see something else. If I look at everything that came before Luke's gospel, by which I mean the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, if I look up the word shepherd, I see something different. In the Psalms and in the prophets, you'll see shepherd used a ton as a metaphor. Like all in there, um, shepherd is used, um, you know, it's saying that Israel desperately needs a shepherd and um, that God is the shepherd that Israel desperately needs. That's what you'll see in the Psalms and in the prophets. But if you go back to the actual narratives about actual shepherds, what you find is really, it's really cool. What you find is family. In Genesis, right off the bat, I guess chapter 4, it says that Abel kept flocks. And then as you read on, you have Abram and Lot, and they had herdsmen with flocks, and they fought a lot. (laughs) But it's not until the 29th chapter of Genesis that the word shepherd gets used. And the first person to be called a shepherd, any guesses? I didn't know this. It was Rachel. That was my response. It was Rachel. She's the first one to be called a shepherd, and she's shepherding her father's sheep. And this is how Jacob gets his flocks, right? He marries Rachel and Leah, and then he works for his uncle, father-in-law. That's how he gets his flocks. And then how many sons does Jacob have? Any guesses? Is it 12? And what do they do? Pharaoh asks them this question at one point. He says, what do you guys do? And their reply is, um, well, we're shepherds, just as our fathers were. And then even Moses marries into it. Remember, he's not a shepherd. He grew up as sort of a prince in the Pharaoh's house. And when he's exiled from his royal life, he saves these seven sisters. And what were they doing at the time? They were watering their dad's flock. And he marries one of those sisters. And it's only when he's out being a shepherd for his father-in-law that he encounters an angel of the Lord in a burning bush. And then we see David shepherding his dad's flocks. So all of these stories of shepherds, they're filled with family words. Sisters and fathers and sons and daughters and husbands and wives. So I've changed my paradigm about these gospel shepherds. I don't think of them as just third shift co-workers, but as a family. And I'm not going to romanticize family, okay? Family is complex. 
and it's messy. And all of those shepherds that I just mentioned, how messy were their families, right? Abel gets killed by his brother. Abram lies about his wife. I don't want to talk about Lot. And Jacob and Uncle Laban, they're both tricky dudes. And Jacob's sons, what do they do to their brother Joseph, right? Families are not perfect. And here in Luke's gospel, the angel preaches the good news gospel to this family. And maybe they're not technically a family by blood. We don't know. But they respond as family, right? Let us go see this thing that has happened. And they go in faith to test God's word. So the story starts with a decree from an emperor and then an angel proclaiming the gospel to the shepherds. But that's not the final declaration in the story. Because these shepherds who act as a family in faith, they go and they find the exact baby the Lord told them they would find. And they tell the gospel to others who are amazed by it too. They spread the word, and afterwards they go back to their fields with worship on their lips. Imagine, imagine, a complex, messy family of folks toggling from fear to faith who not only accept the good news but allow it to transform their hearts. So they respond by sharing the good news, gospel joy of the Savior who was born. God with us, come to die so that we may be judged, forgiven. Are you guys getting the subtext there? Imagine us, the church, being that messy, fear-to-faith family, responding to the gospel in ways that share our Redeemer with all people, and then returning home with praise to him on our lips. May it be so for us all. Amen. Amen.